0: Welcome back to the Indiana Bible College podcast, where we have got a treat for you today. We sat down with the Dean of Missiology for the Robert K. Rodenbush, a career missionary, and asked him a little bit about his life. Before we get into him telling you, allow me a moment, Uh, he and his wife, Sister Evangeline Rodenbush, pioneered a home mission church in Cutler, Illinois. They served 42 years as missionaries of the United Pentecostal Church International and traveled and preached in more than 140 nations. They were the first resident missionaries to Ghana, West Africa, spent 10 years pioneering a church there in Nigeria and the Ivory Coast, and in 1978, they became the director of overseas ministries for the UPCI, Foreign Missions Division. For the next 12 years, they developed and launched the Associate in Missions Program, coordinated and promoted Bible colleges and literature development around the world and was a pioneer in Compassion Services International and China Outreach. I made 14 trips to China and I could keep going and going and going, but I'm going to allow you the opportunity to sit down and listen to this interview with Brother Brzezinski and Brother Rodenbush. If you're interested in picking up the They Said Yes book, you can visit www.voicevision.com forward slash they said yes. And there you'll be able to purchase the book. And uh, it's a great read, a little story that you may not know. I cried after every single chapter. So I want you to go listen to this podcast and then go check out the book. I know you'll enjoy it.
1: Well, we are here with uh, Robert K. Rodenbush, the Dean of Missiology here at Indiana Bible College sitting here also with the book written by William Turner, They Said Yes, A Life in Missions, which covers uh, the life of both Robert K. and Evangeline Rodenbush. An excellent read and available at voicevision.com and also here through IBC. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit with us today, Brother Rodenbush. It's an honor to be with you, and I know that the listeners are going to be blessed by what you have for them today. You talk about in the book how at age 13, you are reading the Bible and reading in Acts 10, and you ask God, could I receive the Holy Ghost? And that just seems like such a special quality for a 13 year old boy to have the boldness to see something in the Bible for himself that no adult had taught him or coached him about. And you just have the boldness to ask God about that. Can you talk to us about that?
2: Well, first of all, I, I will never understand why God chose me a, a small town boy and rather headstrong. I was uh, vision handicapped and often impetuous. And as you have said, I had very little church background. God's grace towards me is really beyond description or explanation. And I am still more amazed than anyone at what has happened in my life. And on a more practical note, I guess I have been always kind of a goal setter and a visionary, even as a child. If there was a goal out there that I could possibly reach or something I could acquire, maybe that's something I didn't have, I wanted it, and I would go for it with all my heart and energy, like playing on the football team or trying to get a particular car I liked. My Quaker grandmother put in me a hunger early on for the things of God. And the pastor of the Methodist Church, Dr. H.E. Dickey, he constantly reminded me of the importance of reading the Bible. And the hunger for an experience with God and a desire, even at a young age, to become a preacher prompted me to read the Bible and find answers as as I had been instructed. I was just naive enough to think that if I read the Bible, I could, I could find the answers that I needed. And so I just was doing that. And why not? I read it in the Bible and I experienced receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. And I'd never been in a Pentecostal service. I'd never heard a Pentecostal sermon. And I was pretty uh, overwhelmed.
1: Were you scared? Were you?
2: Yes, it scared me. I was 13 years of age, and it it scared me. I I stopped. The next day, I went to school, and uh, I just felt different all day long. So I sort of made up my mind, tonight I'm going to stay home. I wasn't going to go with my parents anywhere. Stay home and uh, pray again. And I did that. And then I really received a fulfilling experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit.
1: Brother Runbush, I want to fast forward just a little bit to your time in color, Illinois. Uh, you're starting a home missions church, and there's two stories there that personify a characteristic that's seen in you early on and carries through your ministry. Two stories that stick out to me. One was when a family was waiting for you at a local post office. They wanted to beat you up and rather than back down not go stay home you get up and you walk through the front door the same time as always because of the principle and even though nobody was coming for a period to your home mission services you would go to church turn the lights on have service just the same it just really shows a quality of gumption can you talk to us about how important that is uh, for ministry in general, and how important it has been for you.
2: Again, I think my personality came into play here. Uh, of course, life experiences uh, alter that from time to time. I, I started wearing glasses when I was three years old. And in those days, uh, wearing glasses was not really that well accepted. They were thick. They were not very complimentary, and uh, I felt like I was kind of like a spectacle. Um, I had difficulty playing most games uh, because I saw two of everything, and my vision in my left eye was not very good. So if you're you're trying to hit a ball, your left eye vision is important, and if you're trying to play basketball, it's very also your peripheral vision is very important. So I played football, and uh, it was easier for me to do that. And my strong personality caused me oftentimes to react and not back down when I was challenged. I got into a lot of fights defending my honor. And my mother and father, they didn't uh, discourage me from doing that. They felt like that if I had a good reason to fight back, I I should fight back. And that instilled in me this desire to... uh, go for the best or go for the goal or try to accomplish things in life. And I learned that nothing could hinder success in life unless we allow it. And some things in life are very challenging, but they make us stronger. And I think all of that did make me, made me stronger. I simply learned through my own physical handicap and life experiences to try not to cause problems, but if problem comes, don't back down from the challenges. And uh, if you have to fight, fight with all your might. (laughs) And if you believe in what you're doing, never give up, because quitters never win.
1: You did successfully establish a home missions church in color, Illinois, before you and your wife uh, began to feel a call to something more, something different, and that was Ghana, West Africa. You had a young child at the time. Uh, what a big decision to take your your wife, your new baby, over to Ghana, West Africa. And I would think that if any decision in life would require a real confirmation and call from God, that would have been one of them. Did you have that? Did you feel that? And how has God Directed your life in general.
2: In uh, reflection, I went to uh, I went to Cutler, Illinois, to open a church because my mentor, my elder, and my presbyter showed me the need there. Someone needed to go. I didn't have the experience, but I had confidence and a desire to do something in ministry. Also, I knew that I had the approval and the backing of my mentor and those in authority. So when the burden and the call came in the next step of our ministry to go to Africa, where we were blessed to open five countries in West Africa, again, it was because I saw the need. I received a phone call from the late J. to 1965 to make a trip to West Africa. I didn't know how we were going to go. I didn't know how it was going to be paid for, but God made a way. And I was exposed to the need. All along the way, I understood the importance of responding to the need that was presented before me. At the time... I visited Africa, we had missionaries in Liberia and in South Africa. That was all, just two countries. So we said yes, and we accepted the appointment in 1968 to go to Ghana, West Africa. And during those ten years we were there, we were privileged and blessed to open five countries for the United Pentecostal Church missions outreach.
1: I heard from Sister Rodenbush a remark that the way that God directed your life wasn't so much by a master plan or something like that, but it was just the right next step. Would you say that that's how it happened, was following the right next step?
2: Yes. Uh, When we were asked to go to global missions to uh, become, at that time, called the coordinator of overseas ministries, now it's the Director of Education and AIM, I accepted that because again the need was presented to me and that was the important that was the important factor. What is the need here? Well, the need was we have we have 24 training programs overseas and you have established a very successful training program in West Africa, graduated over a hundred men into the ministry, Uh, During that 10 years, we would like for you to expand the training program. Training is essential in in what you're trying to promote and what you're trying to uh, accomplish. So in those 12 years, we uh, we started 64 uh, more Bible colleges, opened up 64 more Bible colleges around the world. During that time, I knew we would have to recruit and train nationals and that was all a part of what was driving me to to reach a certain level in our whole fellowship, the importance of training, especially overseas.
1: After Ghana, you went back to St. Louis, and it was about that time when there was a need again brought up that Compassion Services International should be started. What was the original need there?
2: There were two things that came into focus at that time. The first... uh, need that I was exposed to was, I was in Salt Lake City at the airport, and I don't know how many, maybe a couple of hundred young men and women came into the airport, into the waiting area where I was, and I I just, all of a sudden, I realized, oh, Salt Lake City, these are Mormons. What are they doing? And uh, one of the leaders sat down beside me and started talking about what they were doing, and and he was telling me that they send out thousands of young men and women every year to mission fields around the world. And uh, the need came over me that we we need to have, a, we need to make a way for our young men and women in our fellowship to have a way to go overseas for a short time. Uh, those men and women, those young men and women, they were going for 18 to months to, to twenty four months. And so at this airport in Salt Lake City, Utah, I started writing and out of that need came the AIM program. And the same thing happened to me. Uh, I was overseas and I witnessed uh, some tragedy and I just, the same thing came to me and so later on in a conversation with the general director at that time of uh, foreign missions was Harry Sism. And he said, we need to put together a program of some kind. And so he gave me the opportunity to work on that. And in 1986, we launched Compassion Services International, which was an intricate part of the what is now known as Global Missions. Several years later, it became a stand-alone relief organization and is in still operation today. Again, in both of these instances, I saw the need And the Lord put in my life men and women that helped me and others to fulfill that need.
1: You bring up the AIM program, and if I may, very, very successful program through the years. And I don't know if you have numbers.
2: The first 12 years of the AIM program, we center the field a little over 600. Uh, Since the beginning of the AIM program, there have been literally thousands of not only just young men and women, but men and women of all ages have gone overseas. Interestingly enough, uh, the first two are still involved in missions today, like yourself they are still involved in missions. So it's become a life-changing and in many cases a life-directing uh, experience for men and women. It's a shorter commitment, but it also brings so many benefits to one's life, to experience service overseas in a, in a uh, another culture.
1: Brother Rodenbush, I've observed and heard that your mission in ministry has been to be a builder and promoter of men. When did you pick that up? Why is it so important?
2: I think partly because I I didn't have a a, a heritage in the truth or in the Pentecostal movement. Because of that, I kind of felt unworthy and unqualified to become a a preacher. Uh, I was what some people might call a nobody. And this was often magnified because my wife was very experienced and talented in ministry and a daughter of a successful pastor and preacher. Some even ask her early on, why are you dating this guy? But her father and other preachers in the area, they spoke into my life and they gave me a chance to preach and they mentored me and encouraged me, letting me know by their words and their actions that they really believed in me. I thank God for every mentor and every preacher friend and especially for my wife, who poured themselves into me and affirmed God's calling on my life. They gave me wisdom. They gave me direction. They advised me. They encouraged me. I made mistakes, but I was given opportunity to improve. Um, They assisted me with guidance like a father or a mother watching their child take his first steps. They believed that I could do something for God if I would just keep the commitment. And knowing how much this meant to me, I want to do the same for other young men and women in whom I see potential, especially when I see leadership qualities. I don't feel like I can do anything less. It's something I love to do, and it's my way of building not only men and women, but building the kingdom of God through others. I just believe that together we can make
1: a difference. Today you sit as the dean of missiology. What do you hope to instill into this program, and what do you hope the program to become?
2: My desire is to discover those who have a burden or a calling for missions, whether in North America or globally. My desire is to give them some guidance to help them fulfill their calling. This can be done through systematic training and sharing experiences from men and women with more than 200 years of boots on the ground life experience in urban and home and global missions with the combined years of service of brother and sister William Turner, brother Jim Sleva, and sister Rodenbush, and myself. This experienced exposure is different than teaching missions from a book. I want future missionaries to know the details, the good, the bad, the victories, and the disappointments about missions and missions life. More importantly, I want them to learn from experienced instructors that God never fails and that revival can happen anywhere there are hungry souls. And finally, I want to affirm in them a confidence that they can do anything God is calling them to do anywhere in the world.
1: Brother Rodenbush It's been an honor to interview you. I know that the people who listen will be blessed. And Indiana Bible College and our movement and the kingdom at large has been blessed by you and your wife's ministry. And thank you so much.